welcome to the Business Success Club. I want to say welcome, and you are in for a treat in this group. Hey, thank you so much for tuning into this podcast. And on this podcast, what we really want to establish is this. How do hardworking entrepreneurs build profitable and scalable businesses whilst having the freedom and balance to do the other things they love? like family, vacations, sports, fun, adventures, and charity. So let's tune into today's podcast. Hello, and welcome to the Business Success Show with me, Mac Atram. And this session, you are in for a treat. I have a special guest of ours. His name is EA Solkovitz, uh, straight from, New, um, from the USA. Now, he's going to be sharing with us how to be wealthy, how to be wise, and how to create the lifestyle that you really, really dream of. Now, he's the um, founder of Givers University. He's gonna tell us a little bit more about what Givers University is. And I will say this, thank you for joining us here at the Business Success Show. You know, often we say on this show that there is more to life than the daily hustle and grind. What are the other things that are so, so important to you as well? And often people say adventures, sports, family, faith, and all that good stuff. So this gentleman, the reason why I've invited EA here is because he's the embodiment of this. You know, he started his first business, if you like, at the tender age of 16. He's gone on to become a millionaire before the age of 23. He's founded and inspired so many other businesses to form as well. And I love his background because he takes time to do the other things that are important as well as creating wealth. He's very, very wise. So let's go over to uh, EA. EA, tell us a little bit about, about yourself, your background and what you do these days. Thank you, Mac. Uh, it's such a pleasure to be on your great podcast and <clears throat> excuse me, be able to share with your listeners and uh I was listening to you say those things about, uh, you know, my background and my bio, and I was still thinking, well, my last name is still longer than all of those. But anyway, so the, <laughs> so I've got to get to work if my last name is still longer. Uh, happy to share sort of some interesting events that uh, transpired that uh, led me down some paths. And, and the first things I can share with you is that all the things I'm about ready to share with you and, and the blessings I had and as huge fortunes came in and out of my life and in and out of my life through the ebbs and tides of life, uh, you know, we, we, we learn about what happiness really is and, and, and uh, you know, how even at an early age, I had it backwards. And so I'm happy to share that with your listeners. Um, you know, I, I was born in Chicago, Illinois. Uh, I know, you know, the podcast in the UK, but you have listeners in 30 plus countries. Uh, that's pretty much you know, middle of the US, United States. And, uh, I, and my father was a milkman. I'm 65 years old now. So back when I was five years old, six, 60 years ago, how did that happen? Six decades. Let me tell you, it goes by. That's why you got to make each day count because you, you do turn around three times and all of a sudden you're there and you go, how did that happen? Anyway, so uh, at the ripe old age of five years old, I would help my father on his milkman route. Uh, he had a, he, one man, worked himself. And uh, had a, a, a route for a company called Twin Oaks Dairy. And, and back then, milk came in glass gallons. And there was a box outside all the houses that was called the milkman's box. And you know what was amazing, Mac, is that that money or that box always, always had money in it. And mm -hmm. no one ever touched it. 
Right. No one touched it. Different times, right? I mean, just uh, that was milkman money, right? Never knew that was for the milkman. And different so, uh, yeah, yeah, for sure, for sure. And uh, so, it, it, and but my father did say something every time I worked with him. He always said the same thing. Uh, he always said, "Well, when we're done, we're done." And I witnessed at the ripe old age of five years old. Here's my father. He didn't punch a time clock. Uh, you know, he got up at three in the morning. And when I worked with him, subsequently, I got up at three in the morning and we had to go cut ice from these big six foot high chunks of ice because the local delivery trucks, none of those were refrigerated. It was only the big 18 wheeler. So, so you had to break up the ice yourself and fill up the truck with ice, you know, to keep it cold while you were delivering. So, mm-hmm. uh, so all of these experiences, but he always said that same thing. Well, when we're done, we're done. And that sort of was my first, I think, touch with, um, being a self-starter, you know, if you want to get on with it, get on with it and uh, don't put it off. Don't be a part of the biggest nation in the world, which is the Procrasta nation. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, and, and, and get on with it, you know, decide what you need to do and, and go do it. So, uh, and, and I was very fortunate that and I, just want, and I very fond many memories of work with my father on his milk route at such an early age. Then at the right bold 16, I decided to take my first step into prosperity and I became a janitor. Now, I didn't mind being a janitor because business was always picking up. What? Anyway, so the, uh, so, yeah, we, <laughs> see, I always start laughing first because that way it helps everyone bail out because I, I want them to know it's okay to laugh at me or with me. I'll go with both of them. Anyway, so the, uh, so at, there was two interesting events that happened in my life when I was a janitor that really molded my success going forward in a huge way. Uh, the first one was, at 16, Mac, I was able to be bonded, which means insured. So right. if my buffer hit a piece of equipment when I was cleaning, buffing a floor, the insurance company would pay for it, right? That also allowed me to be in expensive places and expensive homes. And I was cleaning and I cleaned a home every single Wednesday of a lady whose name, when I mention, won't mean anything to you or your listeners until I make the movie reference. The lady's name is June Martino. And uh, and, and here I am in her house. She was an, a local icon. Uh, and um, I don't know if you ever saw the movie uh, and it was out a couple of years back. It's still on streaming, probably will be for a number of years because it's, it's a fairly good view, a fairly good watch. It's called The Founder. Uh, it's about oh. Mc, McDonald's. Yeah, Ray Kroc. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Founder. Okay. Oh, yeah. did you see it? Yeah, yeah. Great, great. Movie. Oh, oh, okay, great. Uh, first, I want to say number one. A lot of Hollywood spin. I mean, I lived that event. I mean, you know, it's always Hollywood's going to spin it. But there were certain events that did happen. And that's what it's based on those events. The rest is all drama and Hollywood stuff they threw in. Ray really wasn't the way the movie portrayed him. And, and, and I lived in Oak Brook, which is where the world headquarters for McDonald's was uh, for decades and decades. So, you know, and the first uh, they show in the movie, he's making his first franchise in Des Plaines, Illinois. I drove that, you know, that was the last leg of our milkman route when I was a little kid at five years old. And we drove by that McDonald's hundreds of times. Wow. Uh, and, and I, and I remember when it, they put 1 million hamburgers on the sign. Oh, did you, hamburgers. did your parents ever take you there? Did you ever eat there or? I, I think we stopped there maybe for a soft drink or something at, okay. at some different time, you know, because we were pretty much at that point, we were ready to, you know, I was working with my father, so it was time to go home. Right. Yeah. Uh, and Oakbrook was a little distance from there. Uh, but anyway, in the movie, Ray, it starts out, Ray's a milkshake mixer salesman, right? Uh, and then he meets the McDonald's brothers. During the whole movie, from the beginning to end, he's talking to a lady outside his office. And he says, June this, June this, June this, talking to this lady. 
that lady is the lady whose house I cleaned. I cleaned her house. Oh, okay. And that's June Martino. When I met her, she had the third most controlling stock in McDonald's. She was an icon already when I met her. So in she lived in a place called Ginger Creek, which was basically still Oak Brook, where the world headquarters was. Hmm. Uh, and she back then it was a million dollar home. She had a full-time maiden butler. And I was in her cleaner house every single Wednesday. I was there to buff the floors with a special buffing pad, uh, clean the swimming pool and uh, and clean out the garage. By the way, Mac, loved cleaning the garage because this I had to, I had to pull out I had to pull out the Rolls Royce. Oh, uh, nice. You know, so I got to sit in a car that was ten lifetimes of my income, right? Wow. And and here I am as a janitor, and at night I go home and I drive my Rolls Canardly, which basically rolls down one hill and can hardly make it up the next. <laughs> you know, so so here I am driving my Rolls Canardly, but I'm thinking, wow, and and I had such a wrong thought before I met her. And the thought was, I thought, I don't know why Mac, I don't know why this was in my head. It was wrong, but I thought to be successful and prosperous, you had to be a jerk. You had to be me only oriented. You had to be self-oriented. You had to be willing to push people down so you could jump on their shoulders and go up. Uh, you had to be the first one to say it's only business. I hate that when people say that. Yeah. When they say it's only business, I walk right then. I don't even finish the conversation. I walk because I said they just told me up front they're going to take advantage of me. Why do I have to hang out for it? Right. Exactly. So I don't believe in the only business thing, you know. So uh, so and June. Max, she was such the opposite. It was extraordinary. She was so approachable, so nice, so gentle. She uh, never condescending to her help. She had a full-time maiden butler. Um, and just to show you how approachable she was, if, if I was buffing the floor and she walked through the room and saw me before I saw her, she would say hello before I even looked up. I mean, just really nice, really approachable. And that was astonishing to me. I thought, man, I can't count how many zeros this woman's worth on my fingers and toes. You know, this is way different than I thought it was and how it lived that way. And and so one day I could and she knew who I was. I was in there every Wednesday. She always said hi. I said hi back and that kind of thing. One day, Mac, I got up the courage and I mustered up all the courage that a snot-nosed 16-year-old could muster up. And I'm going to go ask June Martino a question. Okay. I got all set up and I got my courage all set and I'm shaking in my janitorial boots as I walk up to her. And I said, hi, June. She was so approachable. It was amazing to me. It was astonishing. And then she said, hi. And I, and I said, uh, can I ask you a question? She said, sure. And I said, well, could you tell me about it? And she said, well, what's that? And I said, well, the whole McDonald's thing. I'm not kidding, Max. She put her arm around me, brought me in the kitchen. I had asked her in the morning the entire day, told me the entire story from when she worked for Ray when the movie begins, when he was a milkshake mixer salesman before he met the brothers. Okay. And then during when he met the brothers, all the events in the meantime, up until the moment we're sitting in the kitchen. She wow. even has the maiden butler bringing us food in the kitchen so she can keep telling me the story. Wow. And I'm astonished by this. I thought, man, this is crazy. Is she talking to someone else? I'm like, you know, I'm like a kid. What's she doing? Tell me all this stuff, you know? And then there's a part in the movie. You'll remember this part. Um, and she referenced it decades earlier. It didn't happen the way the movie said, you know, Hollywood's been, but the, the event did happen. June at one point went to Ray, Michael Keaton, and said, we don't have any money. There's no money left, nothing left. Uh, and that perpetuated him calling the brothers. They have an argument on the phone. He says, I'm not getting enough percentage and slams on the phone. Now, right? Right. Didn't happen that way, but none of the event, the event did take place. 
And she told me about it and she said, there was no money. So Ray, I agreed to keep working for Ray for no pay. He gave me stock in a worthless company worth less than zero company. And he agreed to take some of the bill collector phone calls. When they called me, they wouldn't have me on the phone. So I asked her, I said, June, I'm a janitor. Mm. I work Friday to Friday, paycheck to paycheck. If I don't get paid on Friday, I'm not showing on Saturday. Mm. And, and, she, and so I asked her, I said, why'd you do it? Mac, I'm not kidding. She looked back at me. She sat back in her chair and I'll never forget. She did this eye lock on me and left the room because I could tell right then in that instance, I had asked her a question. No one ever asked her. Mm. Everyone to know what happened with McDonald's, but never, no one ever asked her why. Okay. So when I said, why'd you do it? She, for about 10 seconds, just stared at me and thought, and I thought, you know, it seemed like a half hour because she's staring right at me, but I know she's just thinking. And then when she spoke, it made the hair stand up on the back of my neck, what she said, the way she said it, and then my immediate thought after. When I asked her, June, why'd you do it? Why'd you work for nothing? She said to me, because I believed in Ray. Mm. And my first thought, Mac, instantly was, that's it. I need to find me a Ray Kroc. <laughs> that's what I need. I need to find someone that can bring me under their wing. Mm. It certainly didn't work out too bad for June. I'm in her million dollar home here. And that's a million dollars when I was 16 and I'm 65 now. Who knows what yeah. it's worth now? Yeah. Now I'm thinking, wow. And I said, that's it. I don't even know what I don't know. I don't know the answers. I don't know what she'd be asking. I, that's it. I need my Ray Kroc. And I, and I foolishly, Mac, without even knowing, did the next right thing by mistake. I threw out there a question. And the question was, where's my Ray Kroc? Where would I find him at? You now, actually asked that question? You, you, you said that out? I, I, mean, you know, I, I mean, and what was interesting was that later on, my business mentor taught me. He said, you know, people live backwards. Many people starting out in business live backwards. He said, everyone wants the answers. What's the answer to this? What's the answer to that? They all want to go find the answer. He said, wrong, backwards, backwards, backwards. He said, the answers are always present. They're omnipresent. He said, we should be focusing on asking the right questions because our lives become self-fulfilling prophecies. And when we ask the wrong question, we're going to keep getting the wrong answers. Absolutely. And, and, and ignorantly, ignorantly and i mean puritanically just simply not knowing i stumbled on the right thing and i just thought where's my ray Kroc?" in other words i never said i'm never going to meet him i never said i'm never going to find him or you know this never going to happen to me or she was lucky i just i immediately thought there might you know my ray Kroc's out there i just got to find him where is he you know and it wasn't two or three months later at the same janitorial service phone call comes in late at night boss talks for a couple of minutes on the phone hangs up the phone says this guy's in from detroit and uh he wants to uh uh, see some carpeting. Uh, he's going, he's going, leaving back in the morning. He's opening a diamond store and uh, he needs to see some carpet samples because they're doing a rebuild in this place. And I said, okay, what's that got to do with me? I, I mean, I already punched out. It was after dinner time. And I'm just talking with the boss because he was like a friend of the family. And, uh, and he said, well, I need you to go. I said, Jerry, that was his name. I said, Jerry, I'm not going. I, you know, I've, I've been cleaning all day. I'm tired. I'm not going. He said, no, I need you to go. I said, I need you to bid out this carpet job. I said, Jerry, 
I've never bid carpet out. You know that I know how to clean it and shampoo it and all that. I said, I don't know how to estimate a carpet job and you know how to measure and everything. He goes out, get this wheel and go this way, this way. I'll show you how to do it. I said, Jerry, no, I'm not going. So I'll tell you what, if you go, I'll give you your pick of any Saturday off you want. Okay. Now for a janitor, Mac, that's a big negotiation chip, right? <laughs> any Saturday I want off because we work on Saturdays, right? You know, when businesses are closed. Morning to night, we're cleaning. So I repeated back, any Saturday went up? He said, yeah, any Saturday. So I said, okay, Jerry, I'll go. So I open up and I'm throwing the carpet samples in the back of my rolls canardly. And little <laughs> do I know, now I want to set the stage for your listeners. I'm tired, physically tired, mentally tired. I'm exhausted. I'm getting ready to do something I've never done before. So I don't want to do that. Let's measure this carpet job. I'm getting ready to meet a guy from Detroit. Seriously, a guy from Detroit. What do I meet someone from Detroit for, right? I mean, you know, I'm from Chicago, right? So, yeah, exactly. I mean, so I have all these reasons I'm not going. Little do I know, I'm getting ready to meet the man that will change the trajectory of my life forever. I'm getting ready to meet my Ray Kroc. The man that will become the father I never had, even though I had a father, and I will become the son he never had, even though he had a son, my Ray Kroc. And I've said, no, 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 all of these times. So I share with your listeners first, be careful of those moments. Be observant of those small, tiny, seemingly insignificant moments that are on the edge of a dime that seem so small that later on, will become the most life-changing events you've ever had. Because this man became my Ray Kroc. He became right. my mentor. And the things he taught me, jet propelled me ahead in my life. Not things that I needed to know, or there were things I wanted to know. Yeah. And at the age of 19 then, I asked him the big question. I said, Sam, his name was Sam Robbins, will you teach me everything? And I mean everything. He said, okay, but I want one thing from you. And I said, well, what's that? He said, when the time is right and you will know that time, I want you to teach as many other people mm. everything I teach you. So at 19 years old, Mac, I made a vow. I made an oath. I made a commitment to my business mentor that today is manifest as what we know as Givers University. Wow. And, and, and by listening to him and all of those things, I was very blessed at the age of 21, I became a millionaire. At the age of 33 years old, at 33, that was the first year of my life, I earned a million dollars in personal income after I had paid all my taxes. It wasn't business income, this is personal income. Mm. After I, my taxes were paid for the year, I still had a million dollars in my pocket. Nice. I didn't do any of those things. I simply listened to someone who was either A, knew something I didn't know, or B, was doing something I wasn't doing. Right. And in this instance, that was my mentor. So I crossed the T's, I dot the I's. And Mac, the only thing I can share with you that I really was able to do, and it had a profound impact on me, I had the ability to humble myself and say, you know, I don't know. Could you teach me about that? Yeah. I'd like to learn about that. You know, today, Mac, people are so caught up in wanting to be the smartest guy in the room. And they're so caught up. I got to look good. I got to look better than everyone else. I'm so concerned about how everyone's going to perceive me and see me. That's baloney. That's total baloney. Right. My business mentor said, and he drilled it in me. 
He said, do you know what the smallest package in the world is? A package all wrapped up in itself. And wow. he said, learn to humble yourself and simply say, and, I, and that was my, uh, I did learn that. I, I, and, and he was so smart and I was so young. I sort of did it, I guess, by pro, you know, by default, because uh, I, I thought, man, you know, I mean, he already knows it. And I thought, and when I met him, I think this guy, wow, it's great. He's rich and happy. Mm. Not even realizing I had that backwards. First, we should be happy and then rich. But at 16, I'm all about the money, right? I want to make money, yeah. right? And, then, yeah. and, and But I made the vow and I learned. And then subsequently, uh, for two years, I was very fortunate. I had my own uh, radio talk show and I interviewed over 1,000 millionaires in two years. What a blessing that was. And the things I was able to ask them off the air and some things I can share with your listeners that I think will be golden nuggets for them in this podcast. Well, I was say, what's a common theme? After, yeah. oh, you must have heard a common theme, thousand millionaires you're speaking to. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, and, and, and one of the things digressing for half a moment, but the first thing that I've mentioned so far, I share with your listeners, get a mentor. Mm. If you don't have a mentor, get one. If you don't have one, we call that naive. Because these, there are people out there who want to help you. There are people like Mac. Your show is a mentoring show. Absolutely. You mentor people and you help them and they should be listening to your podcast, subscribe to it, share it with other people, Absolutely. but get a personal mentor and not someone that just knows how to say the right things. I have to share with you, Mac. I've met many educated idiots in my life. Likewise, <laughs> they have all the book knowledge. They can tell you all the stuff and spew the words back at you, mm. but none of them have application skills. They don't know how to do it. And when you say, can I, you know, it was just, I just literally this morning I was on Twitter and I was doing a, you know, do some posts for Givers University. A guy on there was saying, you know, here's a thread about guy doing financial advisory work. And I put in there, I said, unless he's willing to show you his personal portfolio and he's proving that what he does works on himself, yeah, you're paying for his education. That's what you're doing if you're not right. That's and, uh, absolutely right. And and so get a mentor, but be discerning as to who that mentor is. But then when you get them, listen to them, humble yourself, have the ability to say, "Wow, you know, I, I really don't know that. Could, could you teach me about that? I want to learn." And you know, people have respect for someone that can do that. As interesting as that is, uh, there's nothing condescending or diminishing about it. It's actually just the opposite. What do you think, Matt? I, I want to ask you this. I totally agree with what you've said, but I want you to share with our listeners here why having a mentor is so, so important. Because at the tender age of six, before the age of 16, I presume your father was your mentor. You're doing what he says. Uh, later on in the stage, you come across June. June does what she says. You come across this, you know, in, in, in this, this other gentleman who you're willing to listen to, ask questions, humble yourself. So you you created you know success at a very early age, okay, and you continue to do that. You're 65 now, but why is having a mentor, a coach, or an advisor or a guide so important to creating uh, long-term sustainable success? Because if you're not making it, that means you either aren't thinking the right thoughts or you're not doing the right things. Period. It's that simple. And find someone who's thinking the right thoughts, find someone who's doing the right things, and then just ask them to teach you. And, and usually I have found, and I've, I've 
talked with billionaires, traveled with billionaires with the B. And these people, they're so kind and so easy to talk to, so much easier than and approachable than most people even think because they're intimidated by their wealth. And actually, they even wish they 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 weren't perceived that way. Right. Uh, and and to your question, because it's part of it, really, it's part and parcel the commonality with those millionaires I interviewed. They all had all of them, not some of them. They all had a story of a time in their life when everything told them to stop. Their family said, don't stop, stop. Their business said, stop. Their finances said, stop. The economy said, stop. Political said, stop. Everything in their life said, don't take the next step, throw in the towel. All of them had that story. Not some of them. Now, this is over 1,000 millionaires. Now, what's interesting is that the next things they said, there's two things that followed up. These are people that I interviewed, different industries, different time periods. They, you know, over the course of two years, they didn't even know each other, yet they even used the same words. It was astonishing to me when they all told me that story, because I was looking for these commonalities, Mac, like mm-hmm. you had asked, because I want to learn by that. You know, there must be some common threads I can learn from here, from all these people who've, you know, quote unquote, made it financially. And so- they all said, the, I should say, a number of them said the following. Do you know I took the next step just to see if there was anything else that could go wrong? To see if I had missed anything? Because <laughs> oh, wow. it seemed like everything had gone wrong. Was there anything possible that I missed? And they said, some of my, they said, I even did it out of morbid fascination because I was so far down. I couldn't go any lower, it seemed. And I was curious to see if I could go any lower. And I took the next step. And here's the part that was interesting, Matt. When they took that next step, they said the next part was mysterious. All of a sudden, and it was like like all of a sudden, things started to connect on its own, almost effortlessly. It was almost as though temporary defeat had exited their life and go screw up someone else's life who's going to give in and throw in the towel because this person doesn't know when to give in. Right. And they, they can all... They all have that example. And they said, it was amazing. They said, sometimes things started to come together in spite of what I was doing wrong. It still came together. And and so here's something that my business mentor shared with me that I can share with all of your listeners. That's so vitally important. And it even links back to June Martino. And that is, he taught me every, not some, not once in a while, not a few, every adversity in life carries with it the seed of an equal or greater benefit. Every adversity, not some of them, all of them. Now it's up to us to move those leaves aside, find those seeds. And when we do, we will realize that's exactly what we needed to get the next step up. And without that temporary defeat, we never would have gotten the seeds. So he said, and that's, he says, so every adversity carries with it. So what happened with June Martino? Here she was, you know, I I asked her, you know, I I said, I'm a janitor. I would have left, you know, I'm not getting paid. I wouldn't, why just, she found those seeds. She -hmm. believed in Ray. She, she took the next step and then, you know, he paid her in stock. And of course the rest was history financially. And, and so I can share with you that every adversity does. Now the next part I'm going to say, Mac, will bake the noodles of some of your listeners. They will think, I'm moving to the United Kingdom. I'm not moving to the United States because if they think the way this guy is, he is off his rocker, right? Okay. But, I can, <laughs> but I can share with you, when they ponder on it, 
They will see the truth of it. And that is, as we begin to understand, as my business mentor taught me, he said, get rid of the word failure. Do not say it. Get it out of your vernacular. It's too eternal sounding. We It, mean, it, it sounds too eternal in our lives. He said, replace and supplant that word with the words temporary defeat. He said, in your life, you're going to get, you're going to get tackled a thousand times. He said, and when you stand up, you're going to realize it was temporary defeat. You just got a first down. You're still in the game. He said, when you use failure, you've thrown yourself out of the game. He said, so don't use the F-bomb, failure. Temporary temporary defeat. And all of these millionaires had that temporary defeat. June Martino had that temporary defeat. And, And the thing I want to share with your listeners is as follows. When we understand the role that temporary defeat actually plays in our lives, we will begin to, and here it comes, welcome and embrace it when it shows up. Shows up. Now, so I say, why in the world would you embrace defeat? Temporary, why'd you? Because when you learn that the seeds are there, the seeds that you need, all you have to do is move aside the leaves and there it is. And my business mentor said, he said, your ability to succeed will be based on your ability to cultivate those seeds that were only there through your temporary defeats. So the faster you can get through those temporary defeats, the faster you can cultivate those seeds. He said, when you go up the stair steps of life to prosperity, you won't be walking. He said, you'll go into a flat run up those Mm -hmm. stairs and you'll be running by everyone else that's coming from a position of fear who says, I don't want to take a chance. I'm afraid. What are they going to think about me? Everyone's going to think I'm nuts because I took the next step. All those things, those conversations that we have in our own mind every single day. So as a result, and you know, by the way, statistically, it has been proven we have 35 of those conversations in our head every minute. Every minute. Okay. Over 18,250,000 conversations with ourselves in our own head every year self-defeating conversations <laughs> yes or self-fulfilling prosperity conversations right right and that's why people don't realize the importance of those thoughts they have because those thoughts manifest themselves they ask the wrong questions they get the wrong answers they like manifest themselves and later on you just look in the mirror and you, you know all the questions they've asked there they are there so those go. thousand millionaires mac they all had the time where they everything said stop and they took the next step they all learned that temporary defeat was just that. It was temporary. It was not eternal. Temporary. And they all learned those seeds were there to help them go forward. Let me ask you this. It's a great, I love your storytelling, by the way. I love the analogies you use. I mean, they, our audience would love it because it really makes sense. In terms of temporary defeat, what would you say was one of yours, whether it's a small one or a big one, that really brought this home to you that actually... Here it is. Now I've got to figure this out. You went ahead and figured it out and you got the, the you know, the, that acorn turned into an oak tree um, in, in, in that time. Do you have an example of that? Yes. Um, and uh, rather than go the, the stories and, and of course, your listeners have already figured out. And I never say anything in 10 minutes if I can say it in 20. <laughs> so they've already figured that one out, I'm sure. But the uh, I can share with you that I had three major defeats in my life, you know, where wealth came in in huge amounts. As 33 years old, I wasn't even driving myself. I had a full-time limo 
and a full-time personal valet. I had two aircraft. I was a commercial pilot and fly myself my own planes and living life like there was no tomorrow, like earning a million a year, right? And and I hadn't learned some really critical lessons. I'd heard about them, but I hadn't had the opportunity to apply them. And it had to do with all three of these and rather going into details in the interest of time here, but I can share with your listeners what happened overall at a macro view and then what happened as a result. All three of the major temporary defeats that happened in my life were all due to my inability to discern in my relationships. And that inability to discern in my relationships in all three instances caused me to have a major temporary defeat where huge, huge sums of money left my life. And then, you know, then I made it back and then it left again. And, and so, and each time this happened, I wrote a whole book so that my butt wasn't in that place again. Uh, And those became the courses that are in Givers University. We actually have three courses that are, the series is called Give to Be Great. The first book is called The Giver's Mindset, based on basically my first big setback. And, and, but how givers think differently than takers. Um, and the second book, not based on another setback and temporary defeat, uh, and they're chronicled in the appendixes, if you will, all the way through all three books and three courses. Second one's called The Giver's Lifestyle, how they live differently than takers. Uh, and then the third is Giver's Lifelong Learning. So I can share with you that with these defeats, they were profound in my life because it caused me to pause, do the appropriate thing. So I was never in that particular instance again. Uh, and, and part of that was, if, if you will, I can teach other people these, these life lessons, if you will, and, um, and teach them how important, how important happiness is first. Yeah. And then, because one of, the, one of the things we teach is what's called the law of compensation, and that success and prosperity and wealth has nothing to do with money. It never did. Money is nothing more than a ruler and a yardstick. That's all it is. It's unit measurement. If in our society we, you know, people that did things right, they thought right, lived the right way. They, if if our if everything was based on toothpicks, that person would get a lot of toothpicks. All right. So it's so the money itself is nothing more than a yardstick. And um, I asked uh, W. Clemens Stone, who was a billionaire. We were flying, doing some Easter Seal work together. And I asked him, I think he's a billionaire. So I, I asked him, I said, uh, Clem, I, he'd like to be called Clem. I said, uh, what's, what's money to you? And he gave me the best answer. He turned and looked right at me, didn't hesitate at all. Looked right at me and said, money is power to do good. Money and I thought, power. wow, power to do good. And in his final days, do you know, he was teaching whole governments how to become self-sufficient. Oh, wow. Where, you know, most people are just trying to get their own bills paid and become self-sufficient. He's teaching whole governments, you know, shows you where his mindset was and what he was doing. And so at Givers University, what we teach, simply put, to to invest just a couple of moments on that. Yeah, go ahead. Tell us us more about Givers University. Because our our audience, I think, you know, you've you've got a lot to offer, a lot of knowledge. And uh, I think people need to learn this. Before you go into Givers University, tell us what do you mean? Why, why the term givers, you know, givers, and I know you talk a lot about givers and takers and givers have a way of creating success in a certain way. And it's seamless and takers, you know, what happens to that? Give us a background of givers and takers, and then tell us more about givers university. Okay, great. Um, and, and to do that, they're actually weirdly enough, almost the same answer. Um, what, what we teach is, and that's something I had to learn and, you know, and, uh, and that was 
First of all, I say to all your listeners, I say it emphatically. We love everybody. I say it again. We love everybody. And we teach people how to discern or separate the person who we love from their deeds, which we may not love. And we actually use a very granular, detailed approach. And we've identified the actual deeds, the actual things you look for that people do that you can observe them doing to help you discern in your relationships. So we teach discernment in relationships. If I ask your listeners right now, think about the fires you stamp out every day. Think about when your stress level goes straight through the roof Mm. during the day. Think about when you have a conversation with someone at the end of the conversation, you barely remember what the conversation was about, but you do know you have no more energy left. They just drained it all from you. Right. All three of those things, Mac, have one thing in common. There's a name attached to them. Mm. And no one teaches us today how to discern. In fact, I can share with you, we're the only ones teaching this. I do one to three interviews a day and I can share with you, no one's teaching this. And when I go through this, people go, wow, this is really good. And a a couple of interviews back, this one guy said, wow, this is great. I love this stuff. You know, I just read this book that we should surround ourselves with five good people. I said, you're right. You should. One question for you. Which five? five? (laughs) Which five, five, right? And all of a sudden he's staring back at me. I said, you get my point. No one's teaching us what to look for, what should we observing, right? What, and so we teach people. So as an example, if I said right now, Mac, cause I'm looking at you and I could tell you had itchy eyes and your nose was running. I could, from those symptoms, I could discern, you probably have a cold. I'm not able to see the cold, the cold is the cause, right? But I, the symptoms teach me that. Supplant mm. symptoms with the actual deeds, the actual deeds you would observe And from observing those deeds, you begin to discern, should I pull this person closer into my life and have them a part of my giver community that I want to build, my giver people that I'm giving to and they're giving back to me, hence the name Givers University. Uh, Because givers bring with them, Mac, the three W's of wisdom, wealth, and wellness. By contrast, if I see certain deeds being done and i'm observing these because i'm being taught the uh, these observation skills when i learn these things now i may want to begin respectfully distancing myself not nasty or rude or insensitive respectfully distancing myself from them because when i bring them in closer they're bringing the three d's of takers which are defeatism disruption and destruction and when i bring them close into my life they're going to make me collateral damage and I'm going to be stomping out fires. And when I'm stomping out a fire, what happens to my productivity? Out the window. Because I'm stomping out fires instead of producing results. What happens to my stress level? Straight up. That's right. Don't we? I can share with you right now, Mac, because I have been blessed to learn these things, teach them, and have mastered them. I literally have virtually, for all intents and purposes, a zero stress life. Mm. My happiness level right now, because I've worked diligently through the things I learned from other people, to surround myself with my own givers community of people that all are doing the same thing. They all want predictive, massive, and exceptional happiness, freedom, and greatness. They all want those things. And and from that, I have now this community I've cultivated over the years, if you will, that now 
help. I give those things. They give those things, the ideal people around us. So I don't have energy drainers around me. There's energy givers around me and I give them energy back. So we live in a world today, Mac, and your listeners think about this businesses open and closing faster than ever before products antiquating overnight by new products. Yeah. Well, what do all you have left? Our relationships. And no one's teaching us how to discern what our relationships should be. So when we say giver, Mac, we're not labeling a person. We don't label people. We're labeling their deeds, giver deeds. When we're saying taker, that taker, we're labeling their deeds, not the person. So we've identified actual deeds that we want to give in checklist form free to your listeners. We want, we want to give them some checklists so they can print it off, put it in their pocket. So EA, how does, how, how can our our listeners here um, connect with you or get these, you know, these things or where, where, where can they go? How can they connect with you to, to learn more uh, or join your givers university if they choose, but how, how can they, What's Great. They, th- thank you for asking. They simply go to our website. It's givers, plural, giversuniversity.com. We're actually going through a huge website uh, upgrade right now. So in the next week or two, and I think the news, the free newsletter sign up thing might have already be up, moved over to the new site. So if you don't see it, hang out two weeks, it'll be back because as soon as the new site gets published, it's a big, it's huge. It's going to look awesome, awesome, awesome. Nice. In any event, um, it's we have it's a free newsletter that we yeah. want people to sign up so we can give them some great usable tools for free, Thanks. usable tools in their life. When they sign up for our newsletter, first of all, we don't spam people. I hate that. I sign up for something. And next thing you know, I'm getting six emails a day from them. And I put unsubscribe, unsubscribe. It's just aggravating, you know? And uh, so we send out one email a week on Thursdays. And in that email, there's great usable tools that will help teach them how to discern in their life and help them become more prosperous. And there's always new, we have a weekly, uh, like a one to two minute clip we put out. It's a video on our YouTube channel that also is Givers University. And we love people go there and subscribe because it's great mentoring as well. Um, And we have a a, a clip we do every week that's called discern that teaches people how to discern. Um, So when, when first they're going to get an email that simply says, you know, do you want to communicate these people say yes. Because then within minutes later, they're going to get the first checklist and it's called the six arrows that takers shoot at givers. It's a great six thing that we want people to print it off. You put it in your pocket because they'll start observing these things and going, oh, yeah, I can see that now. I I got it. I got it. Right. Um, And then a couple of days later, they're going to get another freebie from us. And this is my favorite checklist. It's called the 25 do's. Mac, it's 25 deeds the actual deeds to watch them doing mm. for those people you want to have around you with your giver community and those you want to respectfully distance from. Um, and then once a week after that, they're going to get, you know, uh, an email on Thursday from us that has helpful tools, discernment relationship tools for their toolbox, because this is a skill that can be taught. Um, and, and as a final thing, if I can share one final thought with your listeners, yeah, in closing, it's the one thing my business mentor shared with me that he talked me into and persuaded me to say every day. And I've said this for decades to myself, these three things. And I share these with your listeners because it will help them in all, any and all aspects of their life. When they reframe those, what they used to call temporary failures into now temporary defeats. When they begin to realize that 
there's a, there's seeds of greatness and the seeds in these adversities. And they begin to see these things and use them over and over. These three things that they should say to themselves every day, they should begin saying now because they work. And these are them. I will never give up. I will keep rising up and I will always overcome. Very nice. But on that note, EA, that's just been amazing. Thank you for all the information. Thank you for all the valuable tips and strategies. Thank you for all those amazing stories. So much so, I'm going to listen in again. And I'm going to, obviously, we'll be sending this out to all our listeners all around the world. And I want to say thank you for your energy and much blessings for you. And you heard it from EA Solkovitz. Go to giversuniversity.com. Connect with this guy because you can learn a lot and continue to improve yourself, improve your business, improve your wealth. They're talking about wealth, health, wellness, wisdom, all together, starting from happiness, then stretching from there. So connect with EA Skolvitz and Givers University. I want to say thank you, EA, for your time and energy. And until we connect again, thank you, thank you, thank you for all our listeners here. Make sure you share this with everyone like it and also get them to connect with Givers University as well. Great learnings. Thank you for being here and speak to you all very, very soon. Thank you. Thank God you. God bless, Mac. God bless.